Let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just thank you for all the amazing things you're doing in our midst. Lord, we just bless you and we just praise you for your presence. Oh, Lord, you're just so good. It's what it's all about. It's just it's being in you, Jesus. You being in us. And Father, we just thank you for that. And I just commit this word that I share this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 9.7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You know, the Lord's heart for us is to actually thrive. You know, when we got saved, we didn't just get saved. We actually got seated, it says, in heavenly places. And there's just immense promises of who we are and what we're as his sons and daughters. You know, 1 John 4.4 4 says, we are from God, You are from God, little children. And you have overcome them. That's the enemy. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's an amazing promise. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you have this explosive power inside you. And then Romans eight thirty seven. In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Just what a great scripture, isn't it? You know, last week I, began, I shared with you um, some of the things that I believe the Lord was speaking to us about this year. And, uh, I mean, really the overall picture was that we're on a journey. We're on a journey. There's gr- and there's growth and transition in our journey. And that this is the year of delivery. And for the sake of time this morning, um, I, won't, I, I don't want to go back over that stuff, but you can listen to it on our podcast if you want to hear the st- full details of what I was talking about. But what I want to do this morning is I want to really kind of just add a little to that. And I spoke about, as I spoke about this idea of journey, you know, and again, as I've said before, the Christian life is in fact a journey. All of life is a journey. There's transitions, every part of our life, whatever it is, there's always a transition. We change. And, excuse me, and sometimes as we go through our life, we can get bogged down in the right where we are now. That, that, you know, that what's happening to me, where I'm at, the things I'm experiencing, what's going on, the now is, is, is the beginning and the end. It's, it's the most important thing. And while it's certainly important, I think it's important that we get perspective and understanding of what, of what exactly we are and so what exactly the kind of journey is that we are. So this morning I want to bring some perspectives on our journey. And I believe there are three perspectives that can help us not only walk through where we are, but also give us the courage to walk into the future. Which sometimes we, we don't even know what that looks like. And so it can be very, very scary. So there are three perspectives I believe that we need to be aware of. Number one, we need to live with an understanding or a perspective that we are part of something that has been. Number two, we need to live with a perspective that we are part of something that is. And number three, we need to live with a perspective we are part of something that will be. And we need to have all three perspectives. And I believe that when we have an understanding of these three perspectives, we really have an eternal perspective. We have an eternal perspective when we understand a little bit of this. So I want to touch on these this morning. And I want to begin by looking, obviously, at number one, that we are part of something that has been. Have you ever noticed that there's a richness about something that has history? Have you ever noticed that? You know, I mean, something that is an antique. When you touch that antique, it's almost like you can imagine the people that, that, that held that book or, or sat at that desk or, or played that violin. 
You know, we, we see it. I mean, Roger collects antique books and loves them and he comes and shares them with me and he touches them so reverently and sort of kind of, here, you want to read this, Trent, but as he gives it to me, he almost wants to pull it back from me because I don't think he completely trusts me, you know, with it. Or, or you know, Kevin, who, you know, if you see, on his Facebook, you see the, the desks and the pieces of things that he, he loves repairing, old desks that are falling to pieces and he loves rebuilding them and, you know, and, and doing this because there's something special about that. And you know, as I've shared before, some years ago we were in Europe and, and we travelled around. I mean, in one, one hotel we stayed in, it was the same hotel that Martin Luther had stayed in on his way to confront the Pope during the Reformation. You know, just incredible. Go to cities. We, we went into, you know, churches that were only one or two in the first century in Rome, first and second century. And then we walked through castles and, and, and you know, amazing cathedrals. And I mean, after a while it does get a little bit too much, but you know, there's that that's something special that's awe inspiring about when you stand in it. You know, you read of families that have long histories, and you track them back through generation after generation of people who have done great things. There's just something unique about it. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that, but I want to separate our family history and our kingdom history. You know, sometimes our family history may not be real good. We may not have had a real encouraging family history. We may not even know our family history. You know, I've shared a little bit before that, that you know, our person, my personal family has involved some things that, you know, not me, but the rest of my, or my, my um, ancestors scraped very close and sometimes crossed over the law and had involvement with that, involving smuggling and various other things. So we can sometimes not necessarily have a good family history. But that's because that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is kingdom history that comes from behind us, that has put us where we are today. You see, we are part of something that's been. We have history. Do you know that? Every one of us, every one of us has history. We have kingdom history. I read a statement a little while ago which said, We are the fruit of an ancient prayer. Do you know that we are here today because someone prayed for you, prayed right back there? You know, as I said, my family weren't um, particularly, in fact, my family weren't Christian except my mother. And because my dad died when I was two, as I grew up, every night she would sit on my bed and she would pray. She claimed a verse she found which said that you are the God of the orphan and the widow. And every night she would put her hands on me, even though I had no spirituality or anything else, and prayed and declared that you are his God because he is an orphan. And I believe I stand here today because of that mother's prayer. But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? It goes back to, to just so many. You see, we experience today, because what we're experiencing today is because we have history with Jesus. We really are the culmination of all the history that's happened which was established before the foundation of the world. It finds completion in us. Ephesians 1, chapter, four, verse, sorry, chapter 1, verses 4 to 6 says this, Long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in his mind. Do you know that? He was thinking about you. He was actually thinking about you. Not just us, you. He had settled on you as the focus of this love to be made whole and holy in his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us or you into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. 
He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift given by the hand of his beloved son. Wow. Folks, we got history. You know, someone might say, well, hey, I can date my, my family line back to King Henry. Well, big deal, I can date my line back to the creator of the universe. <laughs> See, that's my history. That's your history. See, our lineage, our history, our line of history is through Abraham, through Daniel, through Ruth, through Esther, and David, and Paul, and Peter, and even Jesus Christ. Those are our spiritual ancestors. Those are your ancestors. And every victory they had is in the will and testament that they left behind to you. Every victory they won is ours. See, when David killed the giant, he passed that courage and that faith on to you. That's our, that's our heritage. When Abraham had the faith to establish a nation, he was adding that into us. That's our history. Joseph overcoming all the odds and becoming the second to Pharaoh in a nation. Those are part of our history. See, you are not an orphan. You are a firstborn of God, the scripture says. You are a daughter and son of God. That gives you authority. That gives you privilege. That gives you honour. Hold your head up high. You have a heritage. Galatians 3.26, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. With an inheritance that goes back to the foundation of the world. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good. Makes me all goosebumply. The miracles of the apostles are our inheritance. I mean, talk about a wealth of destiny. You know, the Bible talks about the joy set before him that Jesus went to the cross. Do you realize you are that joy? You are that joy. And how do we respond? Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. We look unto Jesus. You see, that's our history. When he came out of the tomb, exploded out of the tomb with the saving, with the glorious power of God, we too were torn out of our tomb. We were there. Our ancestors were there on the day of Pentecost when the fire of God fell. When the fire of God fell. That's our heritage. When I was 15 years old, I knelt before my bed and I said, God, I need more. And the fire of God fell on me. And that same fire, it burns in each one of us today. That same fire is in you. Sometimes we just need to turn the gas up a bit and get the flame going again. When you receive Christ, that same fire that fell on them 2,000 years ago is in us. This is our history. You see, it's not about how dysfunctional your family is. It's about how empowering our God is. That's the history we have. It talks in Hebrews about the great cloud of witnesses. They're there cheering us on. They're saying, come on, you can do it. We believe in you. They're praying. They're interceding for us. See, those, that cloud of witnesses, and they're not strangers. They're not part of someone else's family history. They're part of your history. 
They have a direct involvement and investment in you because we are their kids. We are their kids. They're saying, come on, keep going. We are a result of their history. You know what? In many ways, they have passed on a baton. Like in a, in a, a relay race. Those from the past have come and given us a baton. A baton of faith, if you like. That represents the faith of old. You see, this baton that I hold today, which sits on my desk to remember. It's going to sit on my desk to remind me that I'm part of something past, I'm part of something present, I'm going to, and I'm part of something in the future. This baton has been saturated with the faith of Abraham. It's been saturated with the, the obedience of Noah, with the wisdom of Solomon, with the heart of David, with the anointing of Elijah and Elisha, with the courage of Esther. It's all in this pattern of faith that each one of us has. The vision of Isaiah and of the other prophets, the passion of Peter, the boldness of Paul. It's all here. The love of John. The revelation and the anointing of every great revivalist throughout history has touched this pattern. This is our history. This is symbolic of the history that you have. You understand that. I'm not physically meaning this baton. But there's been a baton in the spirit passed to each one of us. It's been passed to every single one of us in faith. It's our history. Martin Luther, John G. Lake, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, Amy Simple McPherson. The baton has gone through generation after generation and today the baton sits here in the midst of us. This is our history. This is our history. When we were in Germany, I've told you this many times before, so, but I'm going to tell it to you again because I love the story. <laughs> we stood on a hill where a group of men and women and children stood and they prayed. And they prayed for 24 hours. Then they prayed for 48 hours nonstop. Then it went to a week. Then it went to a month. Then it went to a year. And then it went to 100 years without ceasing. This group of people stood and prayed. They prayed for the world. They prayed. And that, that it would release the power. And that power impacted the world, surrounded the world. And I tell you, when we were there and we stood on that hill, the, the, the anointing was so, I don't think I've ever felt it so thick in a physical place before. The residue was there, but you know what? The residue didn't just stop there. It went throughout the world. And today we have inherited that anointing. See, we are sons and daughters of their revival. There is a weight of glory from the day of Pentecost to now, and it's been passed on from generation to generation to generation. It's been handed on to us. You know, there's a, there was a movement which I was once part of, which was called the Restorationists, and we used to believe that we would pray that with the same power that was in the day of Acts in the New Testament would come back to us. I don't believe that anymore because you know what? I believe that we've been given a greater anointing and a greater empowering. We may not be seeing it, but that's not a God's fault. As I said, maybe we just need to turn the oil up on the lamp a little bit further. 
because the authority and the power has been given to us. You see, we're not about going back. The birthing of the church was the birthing of the church. And when a, church, when a baby gets born, they're not particularly functional. Scream, eat and poop. That's about it. That's life. <laughs> but as they grow up, you know, when they get to 20, if they're screaming, yelling and pooping, I won't say what some parents think the young people do, but, you know, it's, it's, if that was all they were doing at that point, we'd think they were dysfunctional. Why? Because they're meant to have grown up. We should be the same as the Church of Jesus Christ. We need to grow up. We have this great inheritance given to us. We are part of something that was. It's our history. It's been there. It's been handed to us. It's now in our hands. The saints of old have said, here it is. Here's the baton. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You see, when we begin to understand the greatness of what we've been given, then, then the enemy's intimidations, the enemy's lies begin to diminish. Because we see the lie, but we know that we are so much more part of something that was so much greater. Something that was so much greater. God has given us so much. Close your eyes for a minute. Now in your spirit, look behind you. You know what's there? It's not your dysfunctional family. It's not crazy Uncle Bill or all those. It's not your regret. It's not the things that you haven't done. What stands behind you is your spiritual heritage. It's Abraham. It's Jacob. It's Paul. It's Esther. They're all there. They're the ones who are standing behind you. Victory after victory. The giants that fell, the anointing to believe, the overcoming of all those people. You can come back now before you fall asleep. The overcoming that all those people worked in, they are yours. That's what's right behind you. And you know what they're doing behind you? They are pushing you forward. They are carrying you forward. They are releasing you into greater things. Feel it. Feel it. It's not just a wind behind you. It's a, the, the wind under your wings to lift you to greater glory because you are part of something that was and still is. Because we are part of something that is. You see, every believer has a part to play today. I say it so Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not about coming here and watching whoever is up on, the, up on the stage, whether it be the worship leader, the preacher, whatever. We're all called. We've all been gifted. We've all been empowered. Like what um, Janet and Craig would say, all of us get to, to prophesy. It's not just the, the big guns. It's not the, just the, the guys who've got ministries who are worldwide. It's you. God has deposited his Holy Spirit in you. And he's done so, so he can get out and affect the world around you. Do you know what? This is the best generation. Do you know why? Because it's the one we're alive in. It's not that the last generation was, wasn't any better, but it's just that this is our generation. This is our time. This is our place. This is our opportunity. 
The baton of all ages of the kingdom of God is in our hands today. And it's meant for us to carry it today. You know what? Antiques may get more valuable with age, but they don't improve. They don't get valuable. They don't get better. But you know what? The baton of faith gets greater. Because there is greater revelation today. There is greater revelation today. Do you know that? Do you realize that? We mean, we read the book of Isaiah, and, and, and it's amazing with all the prophetic stuff in it. But do you realize that Isaiah only had the prophet of God, the, uh, sorry, the Spirit of God come on to him at times so he could prophesy? You have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. You have the Spirit of God. God Almighty dwelling in you. Do you realize how incredible that is? This is a greater day. The prophets of old cried out to know the things that we know now. They would have loved it. You see, we live with a greater revelation, more power. As I said, the power of God is not diminished. And as I read at the beginning, his government is always going to increase. We live in a time of increase. We're not waiting for the world to deteriorate into nothing. We are called to bring the kingdom of God to earth. We are given the authority and power for transformation. I was telling our leaders the other day that sometimes... If, as a pastor, when people say to you, you're out and they might be saying, oh, you know, what do you do? You have a great conversation going. And I say, what are you doing? I say, I'm a pastor. The conversation completely changes. You know, suddenly they kind of, um, uh, um, uh, oh, um, uh. I, I used to go to church and it's kind of like they feel they've got to suddenly be religious and nice. <laughs> so what I've started saying to people is, do you know what? When they say, what do you do? I say, I'm a cultural architect. Really? What does that do? I bring transformation to cultures. Tell me more. And it usually takes them a few minutes to click on I'm talking about being Christian. Because I say, yeah, I've been given an authority to change environments. Wow, really? Yeah. How do you do that? By the power of God. See, that's what we've been given. If we live in a place where we think things are getting worse and we can't change, we begin to live with a victim mentality. And you have been told, the scripture tells us that we are more than conquerors. We should be a living above, not caught up in some orphan spirit. This is our day. We have been given everything for faith and life. Second, Second Peter 2, 3 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything for life and godliness. It's been given to you. You just need to step into it. You see, it's all been handed to us, generation upon generation upon generation. And in every generation, it has increased. It has increased. It's been handed to us. The wisdom of the ages, the power of the eternal one. It's been given to us. Our revelation is greater. And I'm not saying that in a cocky way. It's just a reality. So often we defer, oh, if only, if only it was like this, if only it was like the days of old. God has called us to live today. And what we have been given is greater than what was given in the past. It's more. It's more. 
And we need to understand that our time is now. You know, the story of Esther, she was chosen to be the bride, to be the queen. And her uncle finds out because there's a plot to destroy all the Jews in the land. And he goes to, goes to Esther and he says, because of who you are, you can influence the king. And you know what? Esther is a reluctant warrior. She's not sure what the best thing is to do because she knows a few things about the king. Esther 4 verse 1 says this, When Mordecai learned that all had happened, he tore his clothes, put on a sackcloth and ashes, and went into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front, king's front gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And so he knows that he can't get in, and he gets there, and he, he sends a document to, to Esther, his, his niece, to tell him what's happening. And Esther replies, All the king's servants and people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one who, to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he might live. So in other words, the king had to hold a scepter towards a person before they could come into his presence. Do you realise in the kingdom of heaven the scepter has already been pointed to us? We have been made welcome to come into the king's presence. We are the accepted ones. We have been given that permission to come into the king's presence to ask, to ask of him. What are we asking? It goes on. And Mordecai, verse 13, And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you'll escape in the king's palace any more than any other Jews. In other words, survival doesn't work. Yeah, sometimes we think as Christians we just put our head down and just keep quiet and no one will notice us. Verse 14, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom. For such a time as this. For such a time as this. This is you. This is me. Acts 17.26 says that we, God chooses our place and time to be born. You're not an accident of just any event. God chose this time for you to be born. You are a chosen son or daughter of God for this generation. God has given you a message. We are born for this time. This is our perfect age too. Do you know that? You see, God needed me to be 61 in the year 2019 because that's the person he wanted me to be. So I could do the things he wants me to do. And you are the age that you are. You're meant to be this age. And don't be ashamed of the age regardless of how old you are or how young you are. You have been called for this time at this age. This is our day. We were made for this. You've not been caught out of time. I used to think that, you know, all these amazing things that are happening, the stream, the, the encounter that we've had in the last 10 years. And I used to say to myself, oh, only if we were 30 years younger, imagine what would be for us. And God did. He really rebuked me on that. He said, you are the age you are because you have to carry what you carry. We live in the best time in history, probably because there are also more challenges now than ever, ever before as well, which is pretty awesome. Because if there are more challenges before us, you know what? There are more victories before us. You get this? You're alive? Yes. Cool. 
Just checking. (laughs) We are part of something that is. It's something that has an anointing on God. If you, in your heart, step into what God has, there's an anointing on it, a calling from God. Why don't you turn to someone and say, this is my day. You know, just because, just because there are obstacles before us doesn't mean that it's, it still means it's our day. One of my favourite authors is a guy called Bernard Conwell. He writes historical novels. And in one series called The Saxon Chronicles, it's about England in the 18 and 1900s, uh, sorry, 800s and 900s, uh, when they became a nation. And, and in the second book of the series, The Pale Horseman, there's a story about a young man called Alfred. And, he, and he, he sees his job is to unite all of England into one nation. And he starts this process, but then the Vikings arrive. And the Vikings are massively much huger in the battles that then take place. They just invade and they take over England and they push him back. And they push Alfred right back and his armies right back to a very small area in Wessex. And they're basically they're living in a swamp. So here's this man living in a swamp. And he's determined in his heart he's going to take back his, his nation. And literally the battle that they're about to face, it will determine whether England will actually speak English or Danish in the future. It was that significant. It was a change of the landscape. It was a destiny thing. And so he begins to organise in, sw- uh, in, in the swamp. And he knows that he can no longer stay there. He's understaffed. They don't even have enough weapons for the fight. He's overwhelmed by the size of the Viking force. And, and really, he has no chance for victory. But he knows he has to do something. So he gathers his army and he begins to march. And there's a quote in the book. It's not a quote from Alfred himself, but from one of his colonels that says this. Though numbers and reason told us we could not win, we dared not lose, so we marched. I just love that quote. It's my like. So we marched. Though numbers and reason told us we could not win, we did not lose, so we marched. See, it doesn't matter what the size of the opposition is. What matters is the call. The call. Alfred had a call to unite his nation. And it didn't matter that they were outnumbered. It didn't matter that reason told him he could not win. He knew he did not lose, so he marched. And that's what we need. We need that kind of attitude. You know, sometimes we, we quite easily complain about how bad things are and all the bad news. And but listen, we dare not lose, so let's march. It's about the call, the call that God has given us. And the call that we've been given, really, it's this. It's to engage. Stop sitting. Stop holding back. Stop hoarding. Stop shrinking. Engage. Engage with God. Engage with the kingdom. Engage with the call that we've been given. Though numbers and reason tells us we cannot win, we dare not lose. So we march. You see, we are part of something pretty big, which means we have great opportunities. This is a great day. God has invited you to be part of his kingdom to see it expanded in this nation today. His kingdom has never shrunk back. It's always moved forward. It's always taken by violent force, the scripture says. You live in a great day. And just the way Alfred won, we have also got a great calling. 
And in fact, Alfred did win. We now know him today as Alfred the Great. Outnumbered, outmanned, he won just because he dared to engage. So we're part of something that was, we're part of something that is, and now we're going to be part of something that will be. What are we going to hand off to the next generation? What am I going to hand off to the next generation? What am I going to leave behind me? As I said, I'm 61 and I still believe I've got at least 30 more years to go. All right? Not here, so don't get too worried. But I'm definitely going to be here for another, probably a decade, so don't get worried about that. that I'm, this is my farewell speech or anything, because it's not. <laughs> uh, talking to Pete, he said that. He said, oh, if you tell him that, they'll either get, say yay or get up and walk out. So I'm not too sure. <laughs> but, you know, at, at 61, one of the things that, for me, I, I look at my life, part of it, is I look back and I see that I've got kids and I'm getting grandkids. And to me, that's, that's a sense of, hey, I've done something. You know, there's something of, you know, when we started out, when we were young, which we were once, <laughs> all we had was debt and an unsurety of a future. But looking back now and thinking, yeah, we were part of something, we are something, and now we also, in a physical sense, look forward to a future. Because we've deposited something into another generation and another generation. And it's the same spiritually. What will the next generation look like? Am I going to give them something larger than I received? Because you see, it's not even effectively about what I am doing and who I am. It's what am I giving to the next person? How can I celebrate what the next person's doing? You see, because that's what we get to do. See, how large do I need to live that those who follow me even live larger? I mean, as I said, we all want our children to exceed beyond us, don't we? To go beyond us. You've heard the expression, we want our ceiling to be their floor, their platform. Well, how does that happen? You have to engage now. So you're building something so those kids can take hold of it, pull it into their lives to move on. You see, the breakthrough that you have is going to be for them and it's going to be the beginning of their breakthrough. And I really want to encourage us. You see, there's always a pressure to, to, to um, withdraw, to be satisfied with what I've got, to be content because I've done it. You know, quite frankly, in the church we so often see and it's a great shame, people in their 50s and 60s just kind of give up and drop out. And I think that's a great shame because I think in those years, that's when they can become fathers and mothers and start handing on something even greater to the next generation. You see, the very things that are attempting to defeat me are actually causing a steel rod into my back to keep going forward. They're not calling me to retreat, they're calling me to push forward, to say, not in my day, not in my time. I'm not going to hand off something inferior to what I received. And every circumstance that comes against me and tries to cause me to shrink back is reminding me that it's a time to move forward. 
And you see, you and I, we need to step out and live in a place of abundance. Because I am not going to hand off anything inferior to what I received. I refuse to hand off anything that is even the same as what I received. I am determined to hand off something greater. I want to see an increase in the kingdom. I want to see an increase in influence. This is not just wishful thinking. It's not just mind over matter, folks. It's, I'm just trying to embrace a greater reality. John 16, 33, these things are spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. You see, we get to live courageously when things come against us because that's our greatest moment. Because he, because he has overcome the world. And that's part of our heritage. Why don't you stand up with me? You know, I want to encourage each one of us as we're moving forward to engage. Engage afresh this year. I love Paul's perspective. He was chained between guards. He was hemmed in. His options were limited. A guard was on either side of him day and night, every day and every moment. He had a guard chained to him. Can you imagine living like that? Wouldn't you feel hemmed in? Paul didn't. He didn't have that perspective. His perspective wasn't that he was chained to them. His perspective was that they were chained to him (laughs) and that he was going to tell them the good news. You see, that's how I want to live. My path is bigger than my circumstances. And I don't want to slip into mindsets that keep getting in the way. I want to get rid of them, that the territory before me is open. When I look around here, you know, I, I think of the heritage that already exists. You know, Janelle and, and Joanne and Andrew and, and their kids, you know, and we used to have Myrie. We had four generations till Myrie went to be with the Lord. You know, Myrie started leading a life group when she was 83, I think it was. Yeah, around about that. 83 years old, she decides, you know, I need to do something for the kingdom, so I'm going to lead a life group. Come on, that's perspective. You know, the Connollys, Joseph, you know, he was only one or two years old when he came here. Today, he's one of our young up-and-coming leaders. So many, I look around and I see it. New people are coming in and, I, and I'm blessed by that. I am, I'm blessed by that. But I also see the heritage of here. This year, we've been here 30 years. We came in here one Sunday morning to listen to uh, the speaker that was the pastor here. We had no intention of staying one Sunday morning and they haven't been able to squeeze us out 30 years later. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's heritage. And in that time, we've seen our kids grow up to become part of this house. Because that's what we're about. Never dreamed it was going to happen. You see, people are on a great journey. We are on a great journey of life and calling. George Harrison once said, life is that thing that happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Think about that. We're so often making plans, we miss the life that's there for us. So let's engage and don't miss out. Eh? Lord, this morning we take all that you've provided us over the ages. It all comes from you, Father. Every perfect and good gift comes down from the Father of lights. And we receive it now. We take hold of it, Lord. We take hold of it. And Lord, we want to drop off those mindsets that would let us live with, the, with less than what we're called to. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be filled with the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray that we would have discernment and recognize those things that slip into our thinking. 
that bring, start bringing defeat in our hearts. Lord, we just want to submit our minds to you. We want to put on the helmet of salvation this morning so that we will think the thoughts of the saved, not thoughts of the doomed. Father, I pray that we will take, have thoughts of victory, of engagement. Lord, that we will take on the thoughts of God, which are righteousness, peace and joy. Father, we receive that right now. Lord, I pray, release that, the mind of Christ over each one here right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that we would pick up the challenge, that we would pick up the challenge to engage. Father, I thank you for the things that we have been given in Jesus. Father, I thank you for the heritage. And I just pray that, Lord, each one of us would engage afresh. Amen. You know, as we go this morning, I want to encourage you to begin to think of maybe one thing. And I said that we were, each our, our heritage was those from old. I want to encourage you to even maybe think of something right now. It might be in the area of the prophetic or the healing and healing or the courage that, that, they, that you may be facing a situation at work. Well, think of the courage that young David had to face the lion. There's an impartation of courage here for you this morning. And so if you need courage, I just want to release it to you now in the name of Jesus. If you need a, a, a release of faith, I just release it to you right now in the name of Jesus because it's your heritage. Take hold of it. Yes. Healing. Healing is our heritage. Take hold of it this morning. Receive it in the name of Jesus. It's our destiny. It's our heritage. Walk in it this week and engage in the things of the kingdom. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen.